Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm joined, as ever, by Jonathan for Dugba. It's been a couple of weeks or so since we last did a main episode together. Jonathan, I know you've had a great time away um, in Europe on holiday. Um, great to have you back. I hope you're well. Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Yes, not as ever, because I wasn't here on the last show, was I? So uh, a bit of a break for me. I've been in Portugal, sunny Porto. Uh I really enjoyed it, so I'm feeling sort of quite perky at the moment. Um, and I'm really happy to be back on the show. Obviously, um, had a good se- season preview last week in Denmark. Well done to Henry, uh, football in Denmark. So th- uh, if you haven't listened to that, of course, go back. I definitely recommend it. You and uh, Henry and yourself, Steve, did a really good job. I enjoyed that season preview, uh, listening to it on my way back. But um, yeah, ready to go. It's a big period of the season at the moment in Sweden. We've hit the halfway point. Transfer windows open. There's a lot to talk about. Yes, it was a very good season preview with uh, Henry. The Henry was uh, top dollar on that show. I must say, I, everything I threw at him, we had an answer for, and uh, I caught him out with a couple of things. But he uh, he knows his stuff in that uh, Danish league. It was a really good episode. Fully recommend anyone listens back to that one. But yes, um, we must talk about uh, Sweden Norway now. We're going to start in Alsvenskan and. Um, we're now at the exact halfway stage. A couple of teams have played 16 games, but uh, I'm just going to briefly go through the results of the pre- the most recent round. Uh, Mialbi 2, Degaforce 1, Malmo 3, Sirius 1, Varnamo 2, Aikor 3, controversial match there. Kalmar 1, Elsborg 0, Helsingborg 1, Sundsvall 0. That must be Helsingborg's first win in quite a long time, I think. Uh, Hecken 1, Jorgarten 2 in the clash at the top, and Varberg 0, Hammerby 3. And Norshipping nil, IFK Gothenburg two. So I'm going to start off here, Jonathan. There was a, a match that really uh, there's a lot of talking points from Sunday. Varnamo two, Icor three. Uh, briefly tell us uh, the gist of things here and what everyone was talking about. Yes, and later this week we're going to have an exclusive interview with um, David Cellini, assistant coach at Varberg, uh, sorry, at Varnamo, not Varberg. And um, I really recommend you tune in for that as well, because it was a a great interview, actually. And I'm looking forward to sort of releasing it and getting everyone's feedback. But in terms of Arnhemo, yes, of course, uh, they played the Big Dogs AIK. First ever meeting between the two teams, obviously, in Osvensk and football. Um, Arnhemo, everyone knows their story by now. You know, newly promoted, first time ever in this league. And they're doing a decent job of it, to be fair. We're going to talk a lot about Arnhemo on that show coming up later this week with David. But um, yeah, it was a it was an interesting game to be honest. Obviously, the first talk first half talk major talking point was um, Jordan Guidetti, new signing from AIK, the big money man. Uh, he's come in to sort of replace Jordan Larson, and uh, he got his first goal for the club. Uh, neat finish on in inside the area, sort of right foot, just fired at home, sort of poachers, sort of uh, forwards finish. Um, a lot of expectations on his shoulders, I think, uh, since joining in the summer, and. Um, it looked like AIK was sort of, you know, going into half time. They looked, I wouldn't say comfortable, um, but they looked like they, you know, maybe on track for a win. One, one thing about Varnamo, Steve, and, you know, anyone who listens to this interview come in with David Cellini and, and obviously the management team there, they, they're very tactically flexible and they, they really sort of are, make a lot of, they're very proactive in game. Uh, anyone watching this game, you'll, you'll have seen a lot of changes mid game and things like that. Uh, and obviously I do, I do ask David about that in the podcast coming. But uh, yeah, they made a lot of changes, Varnamo, to their team tactically uh, and managed to get themselves back into the match, basically. Marcus Antonsen uh, with an equaliser. 
and then Wanderson, the Brazilian, uh, made it 2-1 with a, a sort of a knee goal. Maybe a keeper could have done slightly better. Maybe maybe didn't see it. I'm not quite sure. But um, the major talking point of this game, Steve, really, and, uh, you know, it's, it's created a huge debate in Sweden. And I've been looking forward to talking about it, to be honest, since <laughs> since, yet, since it happened on Sunday, um, was what happened next. Now, Robin Teehee. He's a young AIK defender, centre-back, who has a huge future, I think. Um, I've talked about him a few times, Steve. I think he was... I'm not sure if he's been in my tent to watch it, actually, but he's been someone I've remarked on in, in previous shows over the years. I think he made his debut at 17. So he's been around the block for a few years now. Since the COVID season, I think he made his debut. Um, and I've, I was actually surprised AIK loaned him out for now. This is the second season they've loaned him out. Last season, he was an AFC Esker student. And um, Ashley Coffey, in fact... Uh, played with him and I think talked about him when we had Ashley Coffey uh, on the show last season. If you go back and listen to that, the AFC Eskils Junior striker from England, he talked about Tihi, I think, a little bit and when he was on loan there. And then this season, he's been loaned out again to Varnamos to, to get top division experience. Um, but the, yeah, the big talking point here, Steve, was that there was a little bit talk, there was some talk before the match, you know, should Tihi be playing against AIK, who he obviously plays for? Um, and everyone was like, well, you know, it's fine, it shouldn't be a problem, you know, he's professional, uh, I'm sure he'll give it his all against his against his current team, his parent club. Um, but it couldn't have gone much worse for the lad, unfortunately. Uh, an absolute howler own goal in the 55th minute to equalise for AFK, AIK. Obviously, that's his team. So technically speaking, he scored for his club, but he's not playing for that club at the moment. But he's playing for Varnamo. Um, and then made it even worse in the 69th minute. Stefanelli got the winning goal. But again, it was an absolute howler from Tihi. Uh, miscommunication between him and, and the goalkeeper for Varnamo um, and basically just ended up giving a tap into Stefanelli. So not only was the own goal a, a nightmare for Tihi, but also the um, the intervention to basically make it 3-2, completely changed this game, turned it on its head. Um, there was a few comments on Twitter at the time from, from people that I was obviously live tweeting this game. And, you know, a couple of people even remarked it in Twitter, so, you know, it's pretty much saying his head's gone. Um, and it was just a really unfortunate situation for Tihi. I think that, you know, there's been a lot of post-match talk. I did even ask David about this on the podcast coming. So tune tune in, you know, stay tuned for that podcast later when we I asked them the opinions of of him and and, and obviously um, the manager, Kim Helberg. Um, but yeah, just, just to briefly sort of um, talk about, you know, Helberg came out after the match and, and has said, you know, there's no doubt about him. He's a prof- great professional footballer. Um, he's probably the saddest player on the pitch that we didn't win today. He will play on the bigger stage and he, this will make him better. We are there for him if needed. Um, I think the sporting director, Enes Armetovic, I believe his name is as well, came out on Twitter and basically said that if he, if, if his son, you know, if his son, if his children grow up to be half as professional as um, Tihi, then he'll, he'll have done a good job as a parent. And, and you know, that's a huge sort of testament to Tihi um, and, and the impact he's made at Varnum. I think he's made a lot of friends. He's a good player. I think he's got a good future. But this was a real nightmare for him. And obviously, Steve, it opens up that debate should... Um, Lone players be allowed to play against the parent club. Yes, I've seen the goals uh, here that Tihi uh, gave away. The own goal was, well, I mean, I can see why there's a few conspiracy theories, you know. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you could say it's, it's accidental, but um, hmm, it just looked a bit dodgy to me. And the second one, I think by then, supposedly his head had gone a bit. And um, yeah, I've seen that sort of error been made before. For sure. But do you know what? It reminded me of an incident actually seven years ago. I was looking at it today and it was an Ajax goalkeeper called Mickey van der Hart. 
who was on loan at Go Ahead Eagles, and uh, in the 89th minute, the match was one all, and he made a her- horrendous error. He miskicked the ball, uh, like the England goalkeeper did in um, in Croatia that time. Was it um, Robinson or someone like that? And it were and, and enabled Ajax to win the game. And there was loads of conspiracy theories there after that one. Now. Of course, in the Dutch leagues, the, you're not allowed to ban your uh, low knee from playing against you. It's a part of the rule, uh, unless there's like a gentleman's agreement, of course. And I think it might be the same in Sweden. I'm not sure. Um, I don't like it. I must say, I think it puts a lot of pressure on the player needlessly. There's going to be a conflict of interest. Interest, You know, I don't know exactly how close he is to Aikor. Maybe, you know, maybe they're the club of his heart. It's going to be really difficult for the lad. And I'll be honest, I, I don't like it. If I was a manager, um, I'm not sure I would put my player in that position. I know he's probably quite important to Varnamo, but I think I would just leave him out because it's just asking for trouble. And uh, I kind of feel a bit sorry for him, really. Yeah, and, and you know, um, David Salini's come out in the interview. Not not spoil, Hopefully not too many spoilers of the interview. Uh, it's a great listen. I really hope you, uh, you enjoy it as a listener. But... Um, he said that you know they didn't have anyone else that they could have put in. It would have made the team significantly weaker if he hadn't played. Um, that was kind of his his rationale. Um, I I tend to lean towards what you say, Steve. To be honest, I, I don't I don't agree with it. I think that it should be. I think there's integrity questions there. I tweeted about it on the you know in the game on my personal account and just sort of said that I just think there's too much and uh, too much of an integrity issue. If you look at the own goal from Tihi, he's clearly off balance a little bit. And the keeper, you know, I mean, I saw one tweet saying it's that the goals were the keeper's fault, which, you know, you can see an argument for that as well, I guess, to a certain extent. He comes flying off his line um, and Tihi looks kind of off balance, but it's just it's just so unfortunate. And I think the problem is, that, you know, as 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 happens these days in this world we live in, Steve, and this digital age we live in, Tihi just got, has just got a load of crap on social media. You know, people probably... Uh, AIK rivals, etc., have come at him. Maybe I don't think Varnamo fans necessarily. They're not, they're not the biggest fan base, but uh, and I'm sure they support him as well. You know, in, in terms of how good he's been for them. But you know, fans of other clubs. If you look at Diff fans, Hammerby fans, you know, they I bet they're probably on his case. Tihi, um, and you know, people have been calling him Agent Tihi and saying job done and things like that. It's just, it's just an, it's just an unpleasant situation for the player to be in because you're going to give your all. I'm not questioning for one minute his professionalism. But at the end of the day, he's an academy player for AIK and he's been put in an awkward situation where if you make a mistake, the scrutiny is 100 times more than it normally would be. So I can see why there's an argument that, you know, there was someone tweeting me saying that, well, should, if you think about it, um, someone, a club could just sort of lo- buy loads of players and loan them all out to their rivals and then they couldn't play against them and it gives them an advantage. But you can easily, I would... My, my answer to that was you could easily put a rule in just saying, you know, maximum loans of X amount per, per league. You know, you can only loan out, let's say, four players per league per season. Um, and if you want to lower, loan anyone else out, it has to go to a lower division or a foreign team. Um, that would solve the problem fairly easily, I think, from that point of view. I just think that I'm not questioning for one minute Tihi. I'm not questioning Varnamo. I think that if you've got the player in your squad, you're obviously going to trust him to do the job. And, and it is unfortunate. I think there was an incident um, with an AIK player. I think... I can't remember who it was. A I think it's a goalkeeper. I think some. I think the goalkeeper from Mialbi is on loan from AIK, and he had an absolute blinder. And some people were saying, "Well, why couldn't he have done that for us?" You know what I mean? When they played AIK, so you know sometimes the keep. Sometimes your loan. You know your, your parent player, your loan player. Sorry, will we'll have a blinder against you. Um, it can go either way. But the, the problem is that when you have this sort of incident, you know 
that when when I saw it, you know, the last thing you wanted for this game was like a howler and goal from T. When it happened, I was just like, oh no, here we go. You know, you just knew like straight away. And then, you know, the second goal, the second one is just like he. I think maybe they could argue the keeper's a little bit more at fault, but as you mentioned there, Steve, basically his head's more or less gone, hasn't it? I mean, there was a comment um, someone actually tweeted at the time while I was, uh, you know, while while I was watching the game, and basically said, I think Stuart Kelly. He said he's having an absolute mare. Surely you'll take him off. His head's gone. Um, and, you know, he tweeted us at the time of the incident and said, you know, uh, at Nordic Football, why, why is there no law in place to stop players playing against their employers? And, of course, that's not the rule in Sweden. You can play against your employers. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. But I think if you just look at, like, the player welfare point of view, I just think that this is a bit unnecessary for Tihi. And, and I think maybe if the rule was that you couldn't play against a team, then it would just kind of delete these any kind of conspiracies that might come out. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think it really does put into question whether this should be allowed. It doesn't suit both ends of the parties, in my opinion. And it's definitely something to, to look at, I think, uh, going forward. As I say, I just feel sorry for the player that's been put in that situation. It's just not fair on him, really. And, and these things can can unfortunately happen sometimes. Um, we're going to move Steve, on. You say it doesn't suit either party, but I mean, if you look at it for like just purely statistical based, like Varnum's chances of winning without T, he probably would have decreased that four or five percent. You know, he's been one of their best centre backs this season. So, you know, you, you, I get what you're saying, but you can also argue from, you know, from Varnum's point of view, anything that would increase their chances of winning, they're going to go for it, right? You couldn't, couldn't predict this happening. But then you've got a player who's come through the AI Core Academy. He might have a conflict of interest in his mind. He's like, hold on a minute. He, he probably cheers for AI Core in every other match. He wants them to win the title. He's he, on that field. I don't. I don't care how. He's a young lad, and you've got to be professional. But it it might be. It must be really hard sometimes. And he's thinking, you know what? Do I really need to be at my absolute best today? It's an awful thing to say, but it could. Who knows of someone's mindset. I think yeah, but I think I think that I mean that is that's a very harsh thing to say. I think well, to be honest, like you, you're you're questioning someone's integrity there. That's I think. That's well, I, I just you just don't know, do you? There's there are a lot of questions. I can see why there was a lot of conspiracy theories. I'm not I'm not for one minute suggesting this was deliberate or anything like that. But I'm just saying it could. It's just just you've been put in a very difficult position. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I mean, it's it's an unpleasant one, I think, like you've said there as well, for the player, like the, you're just in an uncomfortable situation all round. Uh, someone on a more lighthearted note tweeted us and said, does he get a goal bonus for AIK? Is it in his contract? Because technically <laughs> he scored a goal. So, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a major talking point this week. As I mentioned, Kim Helbo's come out and uh, Ivanimo have rounded, you know, rounded behind him. Um, and obviously Bartos Greslak has come out as well and said, um, uh, sorry, ARK sporting director came out and said it's terrible. Um, I know I know Robin very well, and he's a bloody professional guy who doesn't deserve this at all. And it's really unfortunate he ends up in this situation. But then it's probably one of those, uh, you know, frown frowny faces. And then behind the camera, you kind of secretly got a little grin on your face because, to be honest, this has kept AK in the title race. If they'd have lost to Varnamo, that'd have been a massive blow um, in the title race. If we look at the table now, that put ARK up to third place. Um, those two extra points would have had them, you know down in uh fifth if they hadn't a sixth sorry if they hadn't won this game fifth or sixth anyway but so basically they're now only two points off the top of the table on the back of this result so even just ignoring the tea incident this was a huge win for ARK to be honest and and they kind of got they kind of got out of jail if I'm being honest if you look at the XG stats you know um Varnamo 
had 65% possession in this game, uh, had way more passes completed than ARK, and actually managed more shots on target than ARK. So let's just say they've got out of jail on this one. They've done well, actually, at because they had a rough run and they've come back with a 1-0 win against Kalmar and then that 3-2 against Varnamo. They're staying in the race. It looks a heck of a title race at the moment, by the way, Jonathan. Five Genuine five-way battle, I would say, for the for the Alsvenskan crown this season. It looks uh, absolutely... Uh, it's going to be really uh, interesting, this this title battle. And we're now going to move to the big game, which happened uh, in Hinsigan on Sunday. Hecken against Yoga. And now you were at this game, Jonathan. Uh, sorry, you were watching this game. I, w- I, I, bet, wish. You w- I bet you wish you were at it. <laughs> I <laughs> wish. <laughs> sorry, you, I know you, you were watching it. Mentally, I was definitely at this game. And so, you know, um, yes, and physically, a big, unfortunately, not a really big result for your garden here. What, what was your assessment on this this match? Yes, I mean it's funny you slipped there because to be honest, I, I um, you know I, I used to live near the near the Bradford Arena, obviously Hacken, and, and these are the games that I, I mean I would have definitely been out there if I was lucky enough to still be in Sweden. I mean this is the sort of game I would have lived for. It was um, it looked like a capacity crowd to be honest. The atmosphere was brilliant. Um, the Diff fans really brought a lot of um, passion, and I can't remember what song they were singing, but they their end looks absolutely I've, packed. Yeah, I've been, I've been at I've been at Hacken games against big clubs, and like the away end, they were absolutely. I mean, I think it was Malmo I went to see Hacken Malmo once. I think it was the first ever game I saw in Sweden, in fact. Um, and I think it was the year Malmo won the title, and just the away end, I was like, this is this is unreal, this is insane. Like the the just constant singing and noise. And to be fair, Hacken aren't the biggest team, but they, in terms of fan base uh, in Gothenburg, but they also seem to pack out the home end as well. So it really lent for like a brilliant match. It was a top of the table clash. You know, Hacken have been top of the table for some weeks now and they've got a game in hand as well. So this was their chance to really kind of stamp their authority on this title race, to be honest. Unfortunately, they've not managed to do it. Um, A 2-1 defeat in the end um, and it's gone Diff's way. Uh, first time Hacken have lost since April. Obviously, they've, they've only lost two games this season. One was to EF Core in a derby. Uh, so it's a second home defeat. They haven't lost away from home yet this season. And um, they've turned it round, to be fair to them. Jeremy F with a penalty. Uh, I think it was definitely a penalty. Um, how about Ekdal? A bit clumsy on, I think it was Bergren. Can't remember now, but a bit clumsy of a foul. Uh, just kind of caught him a little bit. Um, Jeremy F buried it. And got his 15th goal of the season. He's having an incredible campaign. And he's, I know he scored a lot of penalties, but, um, you know, he, he's almost, I think he scored almost double the next best goal scorer in the league. So he's really having a fantastic season. Um, but second half, it all turned around. I think Eurogarden made some clever tactical changes, to be honest. Uh, Emmanuel Banda came in and scored, uh, I think it was from a corner as well, just a little move and then a goal. And then uh, Elias Anderson belted one home, left footed. Uh, behind the uh, Garden fans at that end of the pitch, ran off to the fans and they were going mad. Uh, I can't remember what the song they were singing now, but yesterday it was in my head all day, basically. Uh, after the game, it was, you know, they, they really were seriously giving it the diff fans. Um, and I think that obviously the, the, the joint managers uh, made a good little kind of uh, off and, and, and Bergstrand. They, they, they did a good job, I think, to be honest. The second half, they opened up the pitch a bit more, brought on a few substitutions like Joel Osorio. Um, and just went for pace and kind of tried to counter-attack uh, Hacken once they got that lead, you know, just sat a little bit deeper and, and, and basically countered them. First half, I thought they actually controlled um, the game quite well in large bells in terms of possessional territorial dominance over Hacken. Hacken got out at times, had some good chances. Blair Turger on his right foot, 
playing on the left-hand side. I think he missed a good chance and he missed one or two chances, actually, uh, to be honest. Um, Hacken have lost a few players, uh, which I think is going to be a problem for them in the title race. There's a strong rumour that Berggren might be leaving to, um, I think, Poland. So this may even have been one of his last games for the club. And they've lost Leo Bengtsson. He's gone to Cyprus. Um, I know we're going to talk about transfers in a minute. But... Um, you know, that's uh, quite a big loss as well, I think, Bengtsson, to be honest. They have brought in one or two themselves, Simon Gustafsson from Utrecht, um, who should do a good job for them, to be fair. And, and maybe we'll just replace Bergeron like for like. But um, I think this is a big opportunity lost for Hacken in the title race. And I think it's a, a big win for Jurgen. Yeah, I was just looking at the stats for this game. First half, uh, ball possession, 62% for Jorgarten. But really what caught my eye was Hecken only had three attempts on goal in that first half. Now, normally they batter teams with shots and attempts and things like that. And it just seemed, though they were 1-0 up, that they weren't having much of the ball. Second half, though, it's flipped, like you say, and Jorgarten only 40% of the ball, but they were arguably more threatening. So uh, interesting sort of tactical tweaks there. But Hecken... I mean, my big problem for them is they just can't keep clean sheets, Jonathan. Um, I mean, they outscore most teams, but ultimately, if you're going to win a title, you've got to be able to shut that defence up sometimes, haven't you? And they just don't seem to have that ability. But, I mean, to be fair to them, it's the first real major slip-up they've, they've made, isn't it, for quite some time. So, you know, maybe we can sort of let them off as, as a one-off, but it could be it could be a big turning point, this one. Yeah, I think the first thing to say is that um, Uruguayan's bench is absolutely stacked. They made use of all five substitutes. Marcus Danielson's back in Osvenskan, uh, the title-winning captain and hero um, of a few years back. Uh, I used to rave about him on this podcast, didn't I, Steve? And he got his move and then he moved to China as well. Um, and he's back now and he came off the bench and got a hero's reception from those away fans. They, they're delighted to have him back. I think he even commented post-match saying it was emotional for him, the reception he got. Um, like I say, they used all five subs. Magnus Eriksson wasn't even on the on the pitch. He, he, he was on the bench, came on. Joel Osorio came on. Pierre Bengtsson, obviously. They've got, they got options, real options, Diff now. Um, and defensively, they're not, they're not the best defensively. I mean, I think from an XG against point of view, they're quite good, but they do leak some goals at times. But if you look at like player for player, they've got a real, they've got, a, they're stacked, you know. They've got some really good players. Uh, Isaac Heen, I think, will probably be one that will get a move very soon. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think I think they made full use of the subs, and I think they got the subs right and the tactics right from that point of view. Hacken, like you mentioned, I don't want to rule them out too early, but I think that championship-winning teams don't lose this sort of key game at home with a 1-0 lead. Um, I think it's a bad omen for them in terms of the title. I, just, I think they, they've got a lot of challenges to come. They play Elsberg away next. Um, you know, they've still got to go to AIK. Uh, still got to go to EF Core, obviously, in the derby. They've got Malmo at home to come. Their run isn't actually that bad second half of the season, but, you know, those games will be tests for them. But it's just a case of, like you said, is their defence good enough? Not entirely sure. Will they keep Bergen? Probably looks unlikely. And, and of course, um, you know, I mean, the, the, the good news for them, obviously, in Hacker's point of view, Steve, you know, there was a lot of rumours Jeremy F might be leaving. And I think even Diff or Malmo might have made a bid. Or one of the big clubs in Sweden apparently was looking at him. I think there's a release clause in there somewhere. But um, the good news for him is he's kind of agreed to stay for the rest of the season. I think they've locked off that uh, release clause and now renegotiated it a little bit. So that's massive for them, obviously. He's top scorer in the league, having a brilliant season. Um, did a very funny sort of weird dance when he scored the goal. I, I don't know the backstory behind that one. 
But um, yeah, but yeah, it's just it's bad. I think it's bad vibes when you lose at home in such a massive game. They they got a lot to do now from here. I think. Uh, I think Jurgen looked extremely strong, and um, I know I said Malmo would win the league at the start of the season, but I think the scales are slightly tipping, in my opinion, now, just based on how strong Jurgen look in almost every area of the pitch. They're like a train at the minute. They've won seven consecutive games in all competitions. They actually came into this match on the back of a win in the Conference League uh, against Rijeka from uh, Croatia. So, I mean, Hecken even had that in their favour, you know, um, aside, play, facing a side of being on the road, travelling, and yet they still came came out second best. But still, for me, a good first half of the season for Hecken, 31 points from 15 games. If they repeat that in the second half of the season, I think that'll win them the title. 62 points will win you the title, I think. Um, considering there's so many teams in the in the race, but um, yes, um, it's yeah. It's very, just just yes. one little thing before um, you know, just to wrap up on that. Mm. I think that uh, from a tactical point of view of the match, I think I think one of the key things that happened in this game that turned turned nearly turned it back in their favour. Hacken was the introduction of uh, Ali Yusuf. I thought he would look really good for them. Um, came off the bench in the early second half for uh, Udenas, and yeah, he he looked he looked really good. He cut him onto his right foot from playing on the left-hand side, nearly got an equaliser, uh, nearly won a penalty as well for them. And, uh, you know, sort of really good dribbling onto his right foot and shooting in and around the box and nearly managed to get them back into the match single-handedly almost. But ju just unfortunately, I think Turga had some good chances, but they just didn't quite create enough really. Um, and I think what will be interesting now is to see if Bergen stays. And like you say, that, that, just, that, that back line is just a little bit, it's like you say, they don't get many clean sheets. So, like you say, brilliant season so far for Hacken. You can't really knock them. And, uh, you know, Piermatic Sogma has done a fantastic job in turning them around since last season. But um, work to be done still. OK, well, maybe a bit more on the on the title race later. But uh, I know you're very interested in talking about a lot of transfers in this particular episode, Jonathan. Uh, the Swedish window, I think, is it shuts on the 13th of August, I do believe. The window's not even open in uh, in Norway yet officially, but in Sweden it's been underway. And uh, plenty of uh, ins and outs at the moment. Where on earth do we start here, Jonathan? Um, Keys transfers or Malmo? They've been very active at the moment. I know uh, you've been tweeting a lot about them recently. So, yeah, transfers. Yeah, we have to get into transfers. I mean, there's there's still been a lot of big news since I was last on the show. Obviously, I was away the week before and there was some big big stuff going on there. I mean, Rickard Norling's left Nord Shopping. So we've got that to talk about. But I think transfers, I have to say, Steve, um, I don't think I can remember so many mid-summer transfers. And I don't think I can remember teams spending so much money uh, from Sweden incomings. Usually we, there's a ton of outgoings. This is the first time where I can really think to myself, this is, there's some serious money being spent in incomings at the moment. Uh, I think according to Transfermarkt, roughly £6 million has already been spent, and that's not including in undisclosed fees. Now, for Sweden, if you take that into context, that, that's that's quite a lot, especially for mid-season. Um, you know, we're not talking the whole season here. I think there's been previous seasons where that's been like the maximum for the whole season. So there's a lot going on. Um, I mean, what what do you want me to? How do you want me to? How do we want to do this, Steve? Do we want to kind of run? Do you want me to run through some of them? Let's go, let's run through some big ones, both in ins and outs. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously, I think the only team that hasn't signed anyone is is uh, Gisunsva. Everyone else has been slightly active to some degree. Um, AIK have been very obviously active in terms of bringing in John Guidetti. I know it's a um, free transfer, but you know he'll be on big money. 
that could be something that could change the title race slightly. I think they've lacked that kind of reliable goal scorer. And if he can get that job done, then that's a big boon, boon for them. As I mentioned, the diff, they've got uh, Marcus Danielson. He's come back from China now. He's 33, but still a valuable player and leader, I think, of that dressing room. So almost almost a good omen as well. Last time he was there, they won the league. Is it even just that omen could help? Um, if you look at, for example, Elsborg, they brought Niklas Holt from Hanover. Uh, he's 32 now, left back to replace Oliver Zander. Now he's a left back who's been sold to Toulouse for 1.35 million. Uh, really uh, promising left back. He had a really good season, the first half of the season, and obviously done enough to get a move to Liga. Uh, the young 20-year-old. Um, they've also brought in Sebastian Holman, who's a bit of an experienced player um, as well from Elfsborg, from from Turkey, 30 years old. Again, he'll be on sort of decent money. EFK Yotaburg, Suleiman Abdu Abdullahi, centre forward from Union Berlin, another one who's sort of quite big money, you know, quite big name. Um, Wilhelmsen has of course left. He's gone to Darmstadt. Um, and that's quite a big move, I think, for him. You know, we talked about Slavia Prague and rumours going to Cheshire, but um, he's the academy player, was in my tent to watch, of course. He's now moved to Germany for about 1.5 million, as I said, 1.35 million. Hammerby, Steve. I mean, we need this whole section to talk about Hammerby. Um, they're spending that Swedberg money uh, in, in, in bucket loads. Um, sold Astrid Selmani. I think he had a nightmare season, and the, I think the only time really I talked about him on the podcast this season was when he missed that uh, dreadful penalty uh, against Malmo in the cup final. Um, just didn't quite work out for him. Uh, he was so good at Varberg. There was a lot of fanfare about him when he, you know, when he chose his move to Hammerby. So many clubs wanted him, but I, I don't know. This season's just not worked out for him. It seems like Marty Fuentes didn't didn't really rate him at the end of the time there. He's been sold to Israel, Hapoel Beersheva, for nearly a million pounds, but. They've made some serious signings, Steve. Veton Berisha from Viking, done, 1.8 million. We'll talk about him, I guess, maybe in part two or, or now, and, you know, how, we, how, how that will impact Viking. Shaquille Pinas, or is it Pinas? I don't know. Uh, Luda Garret, £720,000 signed. Played today against Varberg boys. Um, you know, he's an experienced player, Good, big money again. Pavle Vajic has come back from Rosenborg. He used to play for Malmo, 22-year-old. 630k done. Abdel Rahman Saidi, Degafors, 450k done. Thought to be going to Malmo. Hammer became in, swooped and signed him. David Concha, uh, a uh, young, uh, well, 25 year old winger from Spain. Obviously, some of Sefuentes tucking into his contacts there uh, from Badayoz, but also formerly of Real Sociedad. So um, he, he actually came off the bench today for Hammerby and looked, looked quite lively. Very technical, kind of typically Spanish, kind of very good close control. Uh, close control dribbling. He looked lively, maybe one to watch. They've also dipped into the Ghanaian market, bought a centre-back, Nathaniel Ajay, uh, undisclosed fee. So big moves from Hammerby mid-season. Dennis Wigkren's left as well. Uh, Bjorn Poulsen's left as well, gone to Denmark. I think you mentioned him on the um, Danish season preview. I heard Henry saying about him, and I sort of uh, felt like felt like interjecting in the middle of the podcast, but uh, obviously I wasn't there. But yeah, he, uh, he's he gone to Denmark Odense. Wigkren's gone to Sirius. Um... Even the teams like Helsingborg, sorry I'm going on a bit. If you want to interrupt me at any point, please do, Steve. But Helsingborg have brought Thomas Rogner, formerly, uh, formerly of EFK Jotterburg. He's back now in Sweden. From uh, He's been playing in Greece. I saw a lot of him when he was in Gothenburg, and uh, I think that's a decent sort of um, signing to shore up that back line of Helsingborg. Faltzetas left Hacken on loan and has gone to Helsingborg as well. Even uh, Varnamo yeah. spent nearly half a million on a player. Yep. Yeah. Um, Ajdin Zelkovic from Ogrit. 
Yeah, and he's been fantastic at Elgary. He's been their best player pretty much, and they're having a really rotten season. Um, so, yeah, they're splashing the money. Wiedersheim Paul has also joined uh, from Rosenborg on loan to Helsingborg. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, obviously you mentioned Malmo. I'll, I'll wrap it up with Malmo because, you know, I could I could talk about every single team, really. There's been so much activity. But let's wrap it up with Malmo because they... Um, and this could be a good talking point because potentially for the title race, this might actually, number one, save the manager his job. Uh, and number two, get them back in the race because they've started to look a lot better. Um, and I think the main reason behind that is Mustafa Zaydan. Uh, it was in our 10 to watch, Steve. If you go back on patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast and sign up for that 10 to watch Patreon on Osvenskan, uh, I did say I think this will be his breakout year. And it has been. He's earned a move to, to from Sirius to Malmo for nearly uh, £750,000, roughly. Um, and he's already contributed five goals. Steve in two games two goals uh I think I think three goals two assists if I'm right in saying in, in two outings he's completely transformed their team um Mahim Sibi we talked about all the huge bad news Steve he's out for the season now he's only just joined them but uh he got a hip injury uh, at the weekend really it looked like quite a bad injury actually and he's had surgery already um but I can't let this section end without mentioning the man the myth the legend he's back in Sweden Mohamed Bouyatore, Steve, is back in Sweden from Your China. man is back. And the man who helped give, uh, fire, sorry, Jürgen to the title is back in Sweden, but in Malmö colours, a huge transfer. And I think potentially that could be a game changer in the title race. Yeah, there's been uh, a lot of uh, transfers in and out here. Malmö actually sold Arnel Ami Hodzic um, to Sheffield United for four million, came back from the loan at Bordeaux. Um, that's decent money. I think that was always guaranteed anyway, in some form, wasn't it? It was going to be sold, but, uh, you know, they can re- they've can certainly reinvested some of that money. Shame about CB. I didn't actually know he was ruled out for the rest of the season. Uh, so that's a million quid down the drain, isn't it? But uh, Zidane has started uh, like a rocket, hasn't he, at Malmo? Um, he's had a really couple of uh, great games domestically, I think, um, for sure. But uh, yeah, I think for me, Hammerby, obviously the big pick out here of, you know, four new signings in. Obviously, they lost Swedberg, got good money for him. Uh, they got nearly a million for Selmani, which I think is fair play, considering uh, his poor form. But uh, I don't know how good this Pinias is. Um, a centre-back from Luda Geritz. Maybe he could be a difference maker for them. Berisha, he's a guaranteed goal machine if he stays fit. I'll say that. And Saidi, actually, he impressed, impressed both of us, hasn't he, at Degaforce this year. So... Um, yeah, I mean, what do you what do you put this down to, Jonathan? In general, you might not even know the answer to this, but the amount of money being splashed around—it's um, almost like a bit of a boom. Is it because that clubs are actually, you know, there has been some money in as well, and they're actually willing to spend it? Yeah, I think this is maybe the sort of release of the last few years since COVID. I think maybe there's an element of clubs have kind of kept that money. There's been, there's been a lot of money coming to Osvenskan in the last two three years. You know, if you look at even the Swedberg deal, four point five million. You know, there's a lot of money burning the holes of clubs like Hammerby's pockets at the moment. Um, like you just mentioned there, I'm mean, Hodzic, 4 million. Malmo have got that Champions League money, so they've been able to sort of splash out. And that that, that filters down, obviously, serious, getting in nearly a million pounds or, you know, quarter of, three quarters of a million pounds for um, Zidane. That allows them, that's huge for their budgets, teams like Sirius. You know, that allows them to then go and maybe strengthen a little bit as well and, and, and um, go into their coffers. So... I think there's a bit of a trickle-down effect. I think there's a bit of a COVID effect, maybe, just in terms of clubs have been saving up money. 
I remember last year, Steve, the trend was kind of a lot of teams signing players from third division and things like that, you know, and internal transfers. So maybe that kind of, you know, maybe they've been saving up a little bit. They haven't really splashed out as much to get through COVID. And now it's like, well, well listen, we've got the money. And I think, I think the other fact, Steve, I think you touched on it earlier when we were talking about the title race. This is a five-way title race at the end of the day. This is, um, it's, up, it's up for grabs now type thing, isn't it? You've got Malmo 30 points. Yeah. Mm. You've got Hammerby 30 points. You've got AIK 31 points, Hacken 31 points, and Jurgen 33 points. And you mentioned the genuine five-way title race. I actually agree with you. And, um, you know, Kalmar aren't quite going to do it in sixth, you know, six points further back. But the, those other five teams can all genuinely think we've got a chance of winning this title here for different reasons, you know, whether it's Diff and the amount of goals they score, whether it's, you know, um, Hammerby, how few goals they concede. You know that kind of thing. Um, whether it, whether it's hacking on their day, who can blow teams away. You know, beat Gibson's up five one last week before this defeat. Everyone's got a rationale. Malmo are champions, but they're fifth, and you know they're only three points off it. They're well within their rights, especially with all these transfers now, to think we can get back into it. So, I think maybe that's also clubs are probably thinking to themselves. You know, let's go for it. Let's roll the dice here, and and um, it's sort of now or never, really. If we're going to win, I mean, if you look at someone like Hammerby, only one title in their history. You know why not spend that Swedberg money? You know that could get if that gets you our second ever league title. So Fuentes goes down as a legend. You know if you look at you know Diff for example, they've got such a strong squad now. You know they want the title back. You know AIK with Guidetti, they've been actually a bit conservative. AIK, I still expect maybe one or two more deals for them potentially. But um, yeah, it's, I think it's partly that as well. Maybe the sense that this is our year. Maybe we've got to go for it. Um, and. Malmo maybe not quite being at their best this season. It's kind of like there's a window there for someone. We had a question in from uh, Luis de la Meda, um for this uh, episode. And uh, you've answered some of this already, Jonathan. I just wondered if you wanted to add anything more. He says, things have started to click for your garden, especially after thrashing Malmo in May. In general, how do you analyse um, or credit such a strong sequence while Heck and Hammerby and Malmo have already shown signs of inconsistency i don't know if you've got anything much to add there about either of those four teams yeah i think i mean it's a great question louise and always thanks for your support um, i know you're a loyal supporter of the podcast so it's great to hear from you i think personally that um th this weekend i just started thinking about it and i was like you know what i think i think i think diff, i think diff might win the league actually i think they've got a real real chance of winning the league um Obviously not won it for, I think it was, what, 20, 2019 they last won a title um, with 66 points. You know, they're currently on 33 with 14 games to go. Um, best defensive record in the league joint, obviously. Um, scored the most goals in the league. I think they have a genuine chance of, of winning this title. The run of games to come is, is, is challenging. You know, they, obviously they start, they've got a bit of an easy run now, but then... Once you get to October time, obviously they've got AIK at home, Malmo away. You know, they've still got, you know, that derby kind of thing to get over. But it's kind of opening up for them a little bit, to be fair. They don't have they don't have a huge amount of big challenges left to come. And I just thought that the way that they navigated that, um, I felt like the way they navigated that game against uh, against Hacken was, was very impressive from a tactical point of view. I just feel like they've got a strong squad. They're quite stacked. I think they'll rotate a fair amount. Um Advance has sort of started to come into it a little bit more. I, I criticised him, but he is getting better and better, I think. Redetinak is having a real impact. Gustav Wickheim, you know, a sorrow off the bench, or sometimes when he starts, adds, adds that injection of pace. Um, 
the midfield is strong. I mean, Ericsson couldn't even get in the team. I think, you know, obviously with the European game in mind, you know, they've gone to Croatia and got a result at Rijeka. I think defensively they're, they're quite strong. There's still still a few question marks there maybe to, to overcome. But I think that their ability to change things on the bench is is, is something really big. And, and obviously they've won six in a row now, you know, um, since they beat, obviously, Malmo 4-0 in May. They've only lost one game and that was against Kalmar. So they're really sort of moving into 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 sort of full steam. The only other team, I think, from tonight, were, you know, watching Varberg against Hammerby and watching the way that Hammerby kind of dispatched them, I think that if their new signings can click Hammerby, then I think they've also got a very, very strong chance. Um, that wobble has really cost them, I think, though. You know, I think they could arguably have six points that they should have easily collected, but they didn't. Um, if you look at, for example, I think, you know, Varnum, losing to Varnamo away. I mean, Varnamo, good, 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 solid team, but you know, you're expecting them to maybe do slightly better there. One or two other results that they probably think they might feel that they could have done better. You know, the Derby, for example, just not quite going their way against uh, against your Garden. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, yeah, I, I think Hammer be it. Although Malmo were my preseason tip, I think Malmo a lot's going to depend now on um, Buyatore, um and how that you know, CB is a massive blow for them. I think because he come built of midfield steel. Zidane, he's having an incredible impact. What can he do? But yeah, I think that I think to answer your question, Louise, I think I think your garden are really looking like a strong uh, train of a team and they might take some stopping. Yes, thanks very much for your question there. Now I'll tell you one team that's not going to win the title, Jonathan, and that is Norshipping. And um this is no surprise to you, of course. Pre-season they were kind of your tip to be underachiever almost, weren't they? And uh, it's cost Rickard gnawing his job. Now, what do you make of this uh, sacking? Um, do you think it was a fair dismissal? Do you think it's the right decision? And, um, yeah, where did Norshipping go from here? Yeah, good good question. And, um, well, I don't know, actually, really. <laughs> um, they've lost against uh, EFK Jotterborg at home tonight. So that's that's a big blow. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people really expect them to win that, didn't they, as well? Yeah, I mean, normally you would think that Norshman will get something. Uh, they're losing players as well. Philip Dargish, like, he's only just come back. I mean, sometimes I feel like they, I feel like it's a holiday. I feel like it's kind of like, um, it's like going traveling, isn't it? On a gap year, you sort of come back to Sweden for a bit, relax, and then go back on your, go back on your travels. He's leaving, I think it's looking like to uh, Poland. Um, potentially, I'm not entirely sure. Might be right, but um, so yeah, there's there's just a lot of there's just a lot of problems at Nor Shipping at the moment. Um, the decision to get rid of Norling, I think, was maybe it had been coming. It's you know the results have not been going well. We talked about them on the last show I was on, and just sort of saying how you know things weren't going well, and maybe he might be under pressure. I did predict them that, that they'd have a top, tough season. They're still looking for a replacement coach. So at the moment, um, Anes Mavrak and Vedran Vucevic are kind of sharing that kind of joint uh, assistant manager, uh, sorry, interim manager role. So they haven't got a new manager yet uh, after a week or two. Um, neither of them, I think, have uh, got their pro license. So they're actually not allowed to be managers for the rest of the season, even though Jonathan Levi's come out and said he would like them to be in charge. So it just seems like, yeah. It just doesn't seem great for Norshipping this moment in time. I feel a little bit sorry for Norling because I think he's got good intentions. I think he's a decent manager, all things considered. But yeah, it just doesn't seem to be to sort of really have worked out there for him. I think they they struggled of getting that balance. I think of kind of 
you know, um, the, 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 the formation that they play. I think they struggle to get that blend and um, maybe just didn't quite have enough firepower. They've had issues as well. You know, you can't ignore the difficulties that they face, um, you know, with the, the, the off-field off issues that they've had with with uh, Christopher Kazani. I think that's, you know, the human tragedy that you can't really overlook. You know, how, how does that impact the squad? Um, but yeah, ultimately, they, they came to a decision to go their separate ways. Uh, they said that the results haven't corresponded to the, t the association's goals. And he's been relieved of his duties. Um, they hope that the team can have new energy and perform for the rest of the season. But yeah, it's going to be a year of it's going to be. I don't think they'll get they won't get relegated. But it's just going to be a year of kind of stagnation. I think for for North. I, mean, I mentioned on the last time we spoke about them that you know that they've had so many players leave and so many even staff leave the club, chief scout, everyone, you know, directors and stuff like that. That. It's a real period of turbulence for Norship, and I think they need some stability for the next year or two, maybe 16 months. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess it was just one of those ones. He, even even Norlin came out and said, you know, he really fought hard to stay. He said he really wanted to stay, um, and he feels really bad about leaving. And, you know, he, 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 he said he's got a good relationship with the supporters. He's really sad. Obviously, with the pandemic, he said he hasn't had, really had a chance to kind of get the club under his skin. He says he loves the club. And he's proud to be at Noor Shopping, but ultimately he said, I've packed my bags. I've come as far as I can. I'm a soccer coach. I'm a football coach who loves it more than anything, except my wife. And we'll see what happens. So I don't think we've heard the last of him, but um, it's the end of Rickard Norling at Noor Shopping. Yeah, this is kind of what I was going to say. Where does this leave Rickard Norling now? Because he doesn't just suddenly become a bad manager overnight, doesn't he? It's, uh, it just feels like it hasn't worked out. He's 51 years old. You could say now he's entering sort of his prime as a manager. I always say sort of 50 to 60 years old is often the prime for a manager in many respects. Um, but yeah, it just I, it always staggers me the lack of clean sheets that he had here at North Shipping. He was so known for it, I core, but they just he just couldn't seem to get a system down. Do you expect him to be back in management fairly soon, or do you reckon it's a sort of thing start of next season? You could see him rocking up somewhere at an Alsvenskan club. I think it will take a while. Um, I'm not sure if we'll see him this season, but I think he'll, he'll be. He won't. He won't struggle for a club. No, definitely not. He's a good manager. He's won the title. Even I saw some AIK fans uh, when they were losing to Havanima. I think at two one. I, I saw some tweets saying get him back. So you know he's still loved there. Um, he won't struggle to get a new role. But I'm not sure if it'll be this season. Um, so yeah, he, he's a good manager. Just maybe the wrong club for him at the wrong time. Because I think that. For example, you talk about defence, but they, 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 that defence is just too many. You know, Dogstar's just come back, now he's leaving again. Varkvist has come back, he might be leaving again. You know, they, they, they've lost players. They were unlucky with Debrito, got a cruciate. You know, he was settling quite well. Um, Abdul Razek obviously moving to Belgium. Like they, There's so much turnover that it's hard to build a squad when you're just losing players all the time. You're sort of building in quicksand. So, um, yeah, I think he will bounce back, but it's just, I think, wrong club, wrong time for him. All right, we're going to, before we finish the Swedish section, we're going to do a little roundup of the uh, teams that have been involved in Europe. And it's been a mixed bag of results for the Swedish clubs. Um, Malmo had a terrible first leg result in the Champions League, losing 1 0 away to Lithuanian side Zalgiris. Um, winner of that faces Linfield or Buda Glimt. We could get an incredible clash in the next round, but unfortunately, both teams lost 1 0 in the first leg. So we need them to turn it around. In the Conference League, Molde beat Elfsborg 4-1. I don't know if we're going to talk about that match in this section or in the Norway Norway section. 
AI core lost to uh, a Ukrainian side, Vorskla Poltalva. I think that match was actually played in uh, in Sweden. It was um, just across the city in Sweden. So um, that was a bad first res- uh, leg result for them, although 3-2 you know, is not too bad. Jorgan had a great win in Rijeka, so mixed bag of results there, uh, Jonathan. Um, brief thoughts? Um, there was a bit of a scandal in Rijeka. Uh, Joel Osorio got disgusting uh, racial abuse um, as he got substituted. He gave a little bit back to the fans as well, which um, fair play to him, in my opinion. But obviously, you might add, you might say that sort of goading them a little bit doesn't help. They were chucking stuff at him. It's on video. You can watch the video on, on Twitter. It's kind of done the rounds. Um, really just unsavory, unpleasant scenes. Um, even, I think, you know, just on that subject, Varnabar, I think, are putting out a statement apparently tomorrow. I've just read now saying that they're going to uh, address the the abuse that T he's got for the, you know, the accusations of max fishing and things like that, that Vano are disgusted at that. And um, they've even said they're going to put out a statement and maybe even report some of the people to the police, um, make any social media comments to T So yeah, a bit nasty from that point of view. We ran a poll, didn't we, on Twitter, Elspeth Mulder saying who would win. And I think it was 77% said Mulder. So well done to you if you voted Mulder. I mean, Elspeth took an absolute battering and they're not having a good season. They've actually been a real disappointment. Uh, to me this season, Elsborg. Uh, I think they've been, I think they've been poor. I know that there's an argument that maybe with the XG and things like that, that they might, they should maybe be a little bit better. <clears throat> you know, some some games have kind of gone against them with just errors and things like that. But I, I, I was expecting a lot better season from Elsborg than where they are at the moment in tenth. Um, and I think they probably will finish around eight, eighth, if maybe eight, eighth maybe. But bad season with them so far, and I think Mulder will just finish them off. To be honest, can't see much uh, going there. Shock result for AIK. I think the team that they played, Steve, hasn't even played football for six months. I think I read. <laughs> I don't think they've had a game. Well, it was played a... across the city, wasn't it? The Tele2 Arena. Yeah, I think there's a there's been obviously um, with the Ukraine crisis, isn't it? Am I right? In yeah, saying? yeah. They yeah. haven't even played a game. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know how they beat AIK there, but yeah, that's that's worrying. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> so not going to, and I, I you know, I, I've said to you privately, I think Malmo, I think Malmo in real trouble in that. In the, even getting through to the Champions League group stage, I wouldn't surprise me if they get knocked out. I heard from several sources they were lucky to only lose one nil in Lithuania. I mean that is a concern. I mean Zalgiris, they're no they're no mugs in fairness to them, but yeah, that well, I, told, be... I told you to go against them when they played um, that team from Iceland, didn't I? Well, I yeah, 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 and they, and they I nearly, I was nearly right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I I really hope both uh, Glimt and Malmo can can turn it around. They should turn yeah. it around in the second leg. They should. One one nil is not too bad, especially with no away goals now. So well, I, yeah, I'd love to see Glimt Malmo. I mean, that'd be brilliant. But so, um, yeah, not. I mean, they're kind of. I'd say the Swedish teams are not doing a hugely impressive job so far. A lot to do, mm. except except for Jurgen. I will touch on Molde in the Norwegian section. It was a very impressive uh, result for sure. And before we go, a bit of uh, Alsvenskan fantasy. Um, just congr- at the minute, congratulations to uh, Frick Show's top of the uh, Nordic Football Podcast uh, League. Um, Albin Johansson in second place, Sixton Enquist in th- third, and Sam Hart, uh, a former colleague of ours. I uh, hope you're doing well, Sam, if you're listening, in fourth place. But um, I was just looking at my team uh, for tonight, and uh, I was quite pleased to see how many clean sheet, but then because I've got Jeezy in my team, and then I saw that he wasn't playing. So um, I don't know what's going on there, Jonathan. I only recently transferred him into my uh, team, actually, because I was fed up with him, everyone else getting points off Jahize. And now 
I've heard rumours that he might be leaving Hammerby. I don't know what you can tell us about that. Yeah, it's kind of almost breaking news this evening, actually. Um, Mohamed Mohana Diaz, who we've we've done a Patreon uh, player profile on. If you if you are a supporter on Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast, you can go and watch that. We did a YouTube video on him and his, his statistical style um, when he was linked to Celtic. We've also done a Wisecat blog this month. I've written a Wisecat blog on him. I think it might be the quickest turnaround, Steve, from Wisecat blog to transfer. Because yeah. basically this evening, he's, uh, according to reports, refused to play for Hamilton tonight. Um, and it's because there's a strong rumour that he's going to besict us. They've made a bid for him, uh, which I think Hammerby have either accepted or are considering. So I think there's an element of not wanting to risk him and also, you know, a move that he probably doesn't want to turn down. I think he has said, I, I, in my research for that Wisecout blog, he had said he wants to he turn down a few other moves abroad because it wasn't right for him. And he'd said that he doesn't want to play abroad as soon as possible, really. Um, he said he was happy to stay for the rest of the season. But I think, you know, Besiktas... I, I know you're not big on Turkish football, but I think, you know, the size of that club is big. And I think that's probably a worthwhile move. I think that's probably about as good a move as he could have got. Um, I think I said in the Wisecout blog, there, there's a few, uh, you know, our partners, Wisecout, if you go and check that out, the huddle blog that we do for them, uh, I'm interested to get anyone's thoughts on it. I hope you enjoyed it. But um, I did mention kind of in possession at times, he can be, he can be a little bit ropey in times in possession. In his own half and i think i said that basically i said in the piece that i feel that his ceiling maybe therefore is kind of mid-table at a top five league or maybe outside the top five leagues a big club outside the top five leagues so i feel like i feel like Besiktas is kind of the right move for him in terms of his ceiling i think um but he's had a brilliant season in osvenskan and he's been one of the best players in the league without a doubt uh this this half season so you know good luck to him it looks like he's probably getting his move and i, I think it's fully deserved you know, he was really good at Mialbi as well. And um, I think it's it's fully deserved for him. He's had, he's had a good run in Osvenskan at 25. So probably time for him to leave. I, I would say this is actually a very good move for him. Um, Besiktas are a massive club. I would say they're probably the best supported club in, in Turkey, actually. They've got the best fans, definitely. Um, a good, a really good uh, environment for him there. And sometimes you just can't turn down a certain move, can you? It just feels right. And I wouldn't blame him. For, for this one at all it's uh, he's had a great season and uh, if he does indeed get a move then good luck it's amazing how how quickly these players that we write about Jonathan just always move on so quickly it's uh, the way it goes isn't it so uh, anyway yeah we're at um uh, what else yeah it seems like it seems like whenever we uh <laughs> whenever we have them on our tent to watch or whatever they're, they're gone uh, pretty quickly so yeah, I mean, if you haven't if you haven't caught our ten to watches, then please do support us on Patreon because we've got twenty players to watch, and I think by the end of the season, most of the twenty will probably have left. <laughs> so um, we're, we're, we've got a good success rate this season, don't we? See so far, we certainly have. We certainly have, Jonathan. Uh, before we wrap, wrap up this section, there's one um, interesting story about uh, Degavors player Jurjic. This one, what tell us about this? Yeah, I couldn't uh, light-hearted end. I know we've we've gone on massively, I think, but you know, uh, hopefully, Steve, you'll be able to edit some of it. But <laughs> um, I couldn't end the section without talking about Nikola Djurjic. Someone who might have watched the uh, Elfsborg game months ago when we talked about it, they may remember Djurjic as the man who punched the uh, advertising board at halftime uh, and started swearing because they were getting battered and then got sent off. Uh, his nightmare season goes from bad to worse, really, because he he missed the game against Sirius. You want to know why, Steve? Uh, I don't know. His <laughs> toenail was 
Couldn't no. He went to a nightclub in Stockholm the night before the game, got seen out, uh, got found out, and was basically kicked out of the squad and uh, was not allowed to play. So that, uh, basically, had a few too many. The report, well, just being out the night before a game, I think, when they're fighting relegation is, is, is bad enough. Uh, it was said that he, uh, the chairman, just a light-hearted note, obviously, the chairman said that the player bus left as usual from Degafors, but he was in Stockholm. He was supposed to meet the team there, but he broke the protocol rules. And when we found out, we didn't think it was right. And this applies to everyone. If you don't prepare properly, then you go out. And a bit like this podcast, Steve, if you don't prepare properly, you're out the door. So, um, yeah, no That's nightclubs sick. before recording for, for us and no nightclubs before games for Nikola Jodic. I think my nightclub days are generally <laughs> over. Uh, always exceptions, of course. But, um, yes, Jurgic, he seems like a proper loose cannon all year, that lad, to be honest. Yeah, he's um, had a nightmare. So he's been he's been <laughs> terrible, to be honest. He, doesn't surprise me. Yeah. He's still got a contract for one more year. He's 36. So I don't know if they... They might be looking to cancel that, but in fairness, he said, I want to apologize. I did not drink a drop of alcohol, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I broke my judgment. Take what do you want from that? But yeah, obviously we haven't talked about relegation and uh, Degafors, as you'll see, rock bottom of the league. So not what they need right now. He may not have drunken anything, but uh, I'll tell you what, I'll certainly have whatever he's smoking, Jonathan, because <laughs> um, I think he's... Uh, maybe telling a few porkies there i don't know but uh anyway yes that wraps up this swedish section we'll be back in part two talk about your elitist Aryan. so join us after the break Welcome to part two of this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We are halfway through the season. We're halfway through the pod. We're moving over to Norway now. Um, and Steve, it's been a few weeks since we've talked to Norway. And there's been a few developments. Um, take it away, because obviously, I think Mulder is the place to start, really, this week, isn't it? We're going to talk about transfers as well in this section. So really, this is a kind of a transfer episode, because we've had a lot of transfers in both leagues. Um, but I think... The place to start really is Mulder, isn't it? They've gone on a nice run. They're top of the league now. Obviously, last time we we spoke, they were uh, Lillestrøm were top. But Mulder have won three in a row since that since then, and and really have kind of started to just get a little bit of a grip on the title race, haven't they? I, I think this. You talk about the five way battle in Alsvenskan. I think it's a three way league battle in in Norway. Mulder, Lillestrøm, and I think Budaglimp still have to be considered in that race they do have a game in hand uh, they are eight points off Molder with that game in hand win that and they're down to five and that is you're certainly still in it so uh, yeah Molder have done well they've won uh, I think they've been beaten sorry in 11 games I think they've won eight of those they've not been perfect they uh, they dropped some strange points against Hamcam and, and Yerv recently um, and they were nearly dropped points against Sanderfield actually at the weekend uh, and needed a late goal They've missed a lot of chances recently, Mulder. They should be scoring even more goals than they have been. And at some point, I think that will come back to bite them. But um, they've got to be very pleased with their season. This change of formation at the moment um, has been very much justified by the manager. And um, they've had injuries as well. So it's not gone completely to plan that way. So 
Yeah, they, they've done pretty well. At the moment, they're the favourites for the title, but there was a period last year, remember, where they had that lead on Buda Glimt and eventually they let slip the title. So they've got to make sure that they don't do the same again. And of course, Lillestrom are only three behind them with a the game in hand. So there, there's another team in the mixer this year. But by and large, I think Mulder, um, I've been quite impressed with them. They've been good to watch as per usual. Nice side to under Erling Moo. And um, you know, at the moment, like I say, they are in the driving seat. Yeah, I mean, in, in the um, Conference League, of course, we talked about it a little bit in part one. They they battered um, Elfberg 4-1, kind of dispatched them. Goals from Kassler, Haugen, Breivik and Mansverk. Uh, after going 1-0 down, uh, turned it around quite well. Followed that up this weekend, just gone with a 3-2 win at uh, Sanderfjord, Steve. Um, this got this goal game was kind of a late winner, wasn't it? Uh, I saw mm. you commenting on, on Twitter, Brynjolfsson. Um, just tell us how this game went, because like you said, they, they're kind of scoring quite a lot of goals at the moment as well, aren't they? I mean, that's seven goals in their last two games. And if you go back a little bit more, they beat uh, Troms with 5-1 as well. So, you know, they're kind of racking up goals at the moment, aren't they, as well? Yeah, and they should be scoring even more as well, because uh, they're actually, there's strong rumours linking them to um, Stroms goals that striker Lars Jürgen Salverson, striker, target man striker. And I don't think they've ever really replaced uh, Ohi yet, to be honest. And, uh, you know, David Datro Fafana, I mean, I could spend an hour just talking about him, Jonathan, because he's famously been in my tent to watch for the last two years, controversially in it this year, of course. And I'm totally regretting putting him in because uh, this guy is so inconsistent. It's crazy. But one thing he doesn't do, he doesn't finish chances very well. He does a lot of good things as well, but doesn't finish one-on-ones and things. They're really missing a clinical striker, I think, and they that, that would move their offence to an even higher level um, of, of more goals. So if they can bring in like Salveson or a proven striker, like sort of poacher-type striker, then that will really help them. Um, because at the end of the day, they, they only score one goal combined against Jervin Hamkam. And they might look back at the end of the season and think, you know what, that was really, really costly. But... Uh, Certainly, since then they've they've found a form again. Wolf Eichram came into the team off the bench a couple of those games and made made a difference. And um, I have to say the the performance against Elfsborg second half was as good as I've seen Molder for quite some time. They just absolutely obliterated them. I think they could have scored even more. And uh, I know Elfsborg are not having the greatest year, but it was a very from one nil down. I think Molder were were seriously impressive in that game. I would not be surprised to see them if they can get a good draw. I could see them making the uh, conference league group stages. Interesting, big big prediction there. Molder kind of you weren't massive on them, were you? Um, at times this season, but it sounds like they're kind of impressing mm. you of late. Um, I mean, we will move on in a bit in a bit, but just on what you said there about Dacho Fafana, you're never done before, never hopefully to be repeated. Having two play, having him in two tens of watches, scandalous. We called it out at the time, but, uh, you know, you said you, you allowed it. I don't think you allowed it next year. But, yeah, just on him, I mean, he's only 19 years old, to be fair to him. Um, he's top of the expected goals um, in the league to Serian, in fact. 8.71 XG, but only six goals. So, as you mentioned there, he's kind of, um, you know, underperforming slightly compared to his XG. Uh, and if you compare it to the two others, and this leads me on to my question coming. Uh, Amar Pellegrino, 7.84 XG, according to Scout, 13 goals scored. I mean, that's a crazy overperformance. Um, he's smashing it. And then third place, Veton Berisha, 7.27 XG, eight goals. 
So if you look at, if you compare Barisha to Fafana, I mean, Barisha's 28, let's be fair, Fafana 19. Um, but still, it does tell a little bit of a story. Now, Barisha, we did say, obviously, we mentioned that he's moving to um, to Hammerby. Deal is done. I'm very excited to see how this player does because we've talked about him a lot, especially from a fantasy point of view. He's kind of um, been in people's fantasy teams, been the captain and things like that, hasn't he? A lot of talk. But we do have a question again from Louise. Uh, Luis de Almeida, who's a loyal follower of this podcast and, and listener. And he says, Viking, another solid campaign for the top three, but they've lost Barisha. Are their ambitions threatened or do they have what it takes to keep fighting? Um, Two-part question this. So, I mean, mm. there's another question about Rosenborg, but I'll come to that later. But just on um, Viking, how will they be affected by losing a goal man Barisha? Massively, because he's not just a goal scorer. He was the heartbeat of the team. And... Um... I just, I mean, they, they will obviously they'll bring in a replacement, but you can't. He is irreplaceable. Um, his goals perhaps could be, you know, you could replace those, but I just don't think what, what else he gave to the club can be, you know, that, that is a huge loss. And they also sold a talented young midfielder Sebul Unsen to uh, Burundi in uh, Denmark. So uh, you know, two big hits in one window. Yeah, they got decent money, I suppose, nearly three million pounds for those two combined. But um, you know, they keep losing their top talents, Viking. You know, Joe Bell was one they lost, and uh, you can't keep doing that, Jonathan. And I kind of feel for them because I think if they kept players fit this year, kept and kept their strong, kept these guys, they probably could have made a, a title run. But uh, despite being fourth now, they've played two games more than than, than Lillestrøm and Buda Glimt. I expect them to sort of drop down to maybe fifth this year now, maybe even below. It all depends who they bring in as replacements. So they've got a big August to come in the transfer window. They've still got Trippich, although he's had injury problems this year. Um, but yeah, I don't think, to answer the question, I, I don't really think Viking have got what it takes now to to be in that um, title race. And just a quick follow-up question, Steve. Um, for fantasy players, elite area fantasy, looking for a Barisha replacement, who are you going for? Because obviously Viking lost um, 4-2 at the weekend to Wallerenga. They played Traore and Free Johnson up front. I mean, from a you know, like I say, from a fantasy point of view, who would you be looking on as a replacement? Well, you, you probably I hate absolutely hate to say this, but you probably have to put Datro Fafana in your team because he's in the side that's creating a heck of a lot of chances. Remember, Pellegrino's a midfielder in the game, so you've got to have you probably need Pellegrino at some point when although he's an injury risk as well. But Fafana, at some point, I, I just know as soon as I take him out of my team, he's going to like get a random hat-trick somewhere because this guy gets a lot of chances. But he, he's so infuriating. Uh, like I say, he's um, he's only 19. Um, but I think when someone is uh, hyped so much and expectations are so high, I think we can expect a little bit better, even if you're quite young. And uh, he doesn't deliver on the finishing point of view. But he, um, I actually think he's more of a natural winger doesn't really suit a three-five-two system, but yeah, you, because Mulder are not doing a lot of um, rotation at the moment. He seems to play all the games. He's quite a fit lad. I think um, you're probably going to have to get him in that team, really, because at some point he will surely, just by sheer, I mean, XG numbers, get in there and um, and get himself some goals. Although if Salverson did join them, then Salverson maybe could be looked at as well. They might do more of a rotation then, but at the moment. I know he's quite an expensive player, but it's one of those, if you don't have him in and he, and he starts to get goals and assists and stuff, and you might lose ground on the opposition in, in fantasy. 
he's only 19, but his mind is old. So um, any 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 hip hop fans, you might be able to relate to the quote. Tweet us if you know what really what that is from. I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, no, fair play to Fafana. I think you know, like you said, I mean, sounds like he's to be fair to me, he's got the highest XG in the league, so he must be doing something right to a certain extent. But maybe the finishing isn't quite there, and like you said, um, it's a bit frust- can be a bit frustrating at times, can't it? If you've got someone like that in your team or, or you're riding on them, um, let's move on. Steve, I'm going to give you the choice here. Then let you decide what we talk about mm. next because we can either move on to Booty Glimp or we can move on to transfers. We've got a big show this week, so where do you want to take this now? Well, I think let's just go to Booty Glimp now, and um, because you know they are starting to find some form domestically, but it's more I think in the um, in, in the Champions League qualifiers. I actually want to talk about Glimp because it's a bit worrying that they've lost. Uh, they lost in the Faroe Islands to uh, the champ- the champions of the Pharaohs, KI 3-1, only prevailed 4-3 on aggregate. It was a really close run thing. They nearly were pushed to extra time. And then they went and lost 1-0 against Linfield in um, in Northern Ireland. They should never yeah, have I lost. Mean, what has gone on here? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, by the way, I Northern Irish football is the most boring in the world. <laughs> Like if you, their national team is generally the worst team to watch for entertainment. It's like it's nil nil or one nil, isn't it? Every single time. And I tell you what, their if their club teams obviously play the same way because this lot just parked a treble decker bus, and they did have no intention to play whatsoever. Bear in mind, Buda Glimt had lost three one in the Faroes the week before. You'd think you'd have a go. It was I thought it was a horrible game plan, but they somehow they looked out because there was a terrible mistake by Hoybratton uh, ten minutes from time who let in one of their uh, attackers and, and they scored and they won 1-0. Oh, it, it really infuriates me, Jonathan, when a team who was so negative needlessly uh, actually get uh, a reward. I hate it. Um, I, mean, but, I mean, they got them a result. They got them the win. I they, hate you know, they go to mm. Norway with a chance of qualifying. Mm. It's awful, isn't so, it? So, uh, yeah, I did see you were a bit angry about it on Twitter as well. So, well it does know. my head in, but for, they got a result somehow. Um yeah. There's no way a draw would have been anywhere near enough. One nil <laughs> gives them somewhat of a chance, um, but it was worrying from Buda Glimp. There's been at times this year where they just haven't been able to break down sort of really robust teams. It's like they're if Pellegrino and Pellegrino didn't start that game, by the way. Um, if he's not around, he's such a key man for Glimp. He's got the X factor and flair, um, and you know they beat Year five nil at the weekend, and I think that was a, probably a good dress rehearsal for um, for the match against Linfield, really. But so they looked a lot better there. But in some games this year, they just haven't had it. They've really struggled to break down teams. And, you know, I think this is the culmination of kind of losing players and, and not really replacing them uh, adequately yet. And they've done fantastically well, don't get me wrong, the last few years. But sometimes you can just sell too many, can't you? Or lose too many players. And um, it's, it's a little bit of a concern to me. i just not really sure I see them qualifying for the Champions League group stages, which would be a heck of an achievement anyway. Let's just say we can't have expected that of them anyway. If they do beat Linfield or get pro- progressed past Linfield, they're guaranteed a spot in at least the Conference League group, so which would be something, wouldn't it? But um, it just I've seen it before. Last year, they lost to the Polish champions in the, in the first round of this. It's frustrating. I really hope they can just make sure they do a professional job against Linfield on um, on Wednesday. Um, and and get the job done, but uh, yeah. a few little grem- a few little gremlins. Well, I mean, there's one thing about you, Steve. You, you you're very good at upsetting uh, listeners from different countries uh, on based around Buda Glimpse. I think Roma fans, 
now the whole of Northern Ireland, I think, you, I think the further Buddha Glimp got, and the more hated we're going to become. <laughs> well, but, uh, but no, I mean, let, let's be fair. Yeah, they're, surely they're going to turn that around. I mean, they followed it up with a 5 0 win against Yerv. Um, they're, they're kind of obviously the third down the table, but they're, they're eight points behind Molder with a game in hand. In a you know short short answer maybe do, can they win the title? They they still could you know because Molde will remember last year and and know that Budigan can turn it around. It, there's a massive the the big thing is what where do these two teams end end up in Europe? Do Budiglim get in a group stage somewhere? Do Molde get in a group stage somewhere? I think if it's a case of Budiglim in Europe group stages and Molde or not, I think you've got to say Molde win it because at some point Glimt will at least have a couple of poorer performances domestically on the back of a, I don't know, a trip to the, the Far East or something of Europe. But if Mulder are doing the same, then it kind of evens it out a bit, doesn't it? And Lillestrøm still in the in the, in the Europe as well, um, beat uh, the Swedish side SJK. So, look, there's a lot of things to do that. But Buda Glimt, they can't be ruled out. And, you know, a few weeks ago, you almost were thinking they, they can't win the gold this year. But there's a resilience about this team. You can never, ever write it off. And, you know, let's not rule out them making some moves in the August transfer window either. So, you know, let's see where the teams stand at the end of, of August. But I think it, I think it's a three-way race. I don't see Viking staying in it now, and I don't really see Rosenborg doing quite enough um, long-term to be in that race uh, for gold. But Mulder, Lillestrøm, Budaglint for me. Great stuff. And if you're from Northern Ireland, I love you. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> great country. So I bet you don't love their national football team though. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Let's move on. No, 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 no. Let's move on. We've got enough to talk about. You've, you've made your point. Um, <laughs> we need to discuss transfers because I mentioned before the break in part one. Uh, by the way, I went back and did a little bit of research, Steve. Uh, 2020, summer transfer expenditure in El Svenskan, 670,000. Transfer expenditure last summer in El Svenskan, this is without undisclosed fees, of course, but 2.7 million. This year, 6.7 zero seven five million so that's nearly treble the amount spent over last season so you know just to give a bit of context there like i mentioned there's been crazy expenditure this season um but let's move over to elixirium because it's not been without it's it's not been without its dramas either um elixirium transfer market there's a lot going on some of them leaving even for sweden which is which is nice to see um barisha one of the best players in the league you know that doesn't happen too often uh let's take a look at the summer transfers so far because you know as we've said there's been been a lot going on um teams may be opening up in terms of their expenditure uh, i know that i'm um, just calling to transfer mark they've made eight there's been eight million eight point five million worth of sales out of norway um but how how has that affected kind of the market uh, tell us about the key transfers maybe that you'd like to speak about and let's take a look at this summer transfer window because that's the aim of this episode well the window isn't actually officially open in Norway yet. So right. I think that we're going to get some plenty of ins come in August. So, but I think there's a couple of worrying departures uh, and I'll give you an example. Jonathan Linseth from Sarpsborg to CSKA Sophia, Sophia, uh, how you pronounce it over there. Now I just, for me, that just screams. That's a weird move. Now I don't deny that they're probably the biggest club in their own country, but, it's not exactly like, um, you know, the guy, Jahiza to Besiktas, is it? You know, I don't really see what Linseth is gaining going there. 
I'm like, it kind of raises questions. Sigurd Hogan has moved to um, to Denmark. Um, was it Alborg or Alhurst? Someone like that. Um, they got 1.35 million. He was linked with moves to several Norwegian teams, like Molder, Glimt, Rosenborg, and I think well, I kind of expected him to go there, really, rather than to Denmark. And, um, you know, obviously, Borussia and Sebel Lundsen have moved from Viking. Uh, Volarenga have lost a couple of players, Carstensen on a free. Nasberg's moving thing to Cyprus uh, at the end of this month. Um, I don't know. It's just there's a couple of strange ones, and I, I hope that some teams kind of rebound in this August window and sign players. There will be some signings, no doubt. At the moment, really, it's just kind of rumours and, and, and things along those sort of lines. Leo Cornick, I think, to Rosenborg's one that caught my eye this evening. Um, but at the moment, it's sort of we're in this departure stage. Pre, pre the window opening. Yes, we've got Sebi Lonson uh, on your list. Barisha, Sigurd Haugen, Jonathan Linseth, Kjartansson, Nasberg as, as sort of key transfers out. Um, in terms of top three, which are the three that are kind of most going to affect their teams? And, the, and obviously who they play for, what position, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. a context for the listener. Obviously Barisha, um, one of the best strikers in elite Assyrian. Uh, for Viking to lose him, as we've said, Massively impactful. And, um, yeah, I don't think... I think at the moment he's irreplaceable for them, really. So that is a huge uh, loss um, for them. Horgan, Sigurd Horgan as well for Orlesund to Aarhus. That was it, 1.35 million. And um, Uwe Rosler's Aarhus, I think, isn't it? There is Rosler. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think they can really replace him either. He was just like a massive part of their offence. And uh, he's sort of like a three-dimensional striker who uh, will be a massive, massive loss for Allison. And um, so I think those are the two at the moment. They're the two really big uh, losses. And Cartenson um, from Volerenga is an interesting one because when he came back into to Volerenga a couple of years ago, he was kind of seen as this next, you know, he was going to be the guy that can propel them to even perhaps a title challenge. But it hasn't worked out for him in this season, especially. He was quite poor and I kind of saw the writing on the wall maybe as much as 12 months ago when he started missing chances that you wouldn't expect him to miss. And I have to say, there's been a bit of a flop, um, Chartenson, in his, in his recent spell with, with Volarenga. And it doesn't surprise me, he's left on a free, currently a free agent. And, um, you know, they've also, they've lost players like uh, the goalkeeper, Chettle Hogg as well. Obviously, Nasberg is on his, on his bike. And Aaron Donham went back on loan, didn't really work out there either. So, um, they, they've they've got a big August coming up. I think there's several teams have got a big August coming up where they're gonna they're gonna have to bring players in. Yeah, fair enough. Some some big names kind of leaving. Um, uh, I think you know, as you mentioned, there it's probably not as big a, a, a discussion about transfer because, like you say, the window's not open yet. Mm. I mean, Sebastian Sebilonson, as you mentioned, there is you know he's made his departure um, and a few others, but it doesn't seem like you know it's going to Bromby. Doesn't seem like there's many incomings at the moment, so we'll keep an eye on it. Um, I mean, Conradson side as well going to Sassuolo. I think was that already done? Maybe that might have already been done. Yeah, I think he was on loan there, and uh, he's like three million yeah. um, transfer complete now. So yeah, yeah. So we'll keep an eye on it transfer wise. Um, there's no one else you really want to mention. If not, we'll move on to Christensen. Yeah, Christensen, who are now at, at two points, Jonathan. They. Um, Picked up a draw against Odd at the weekend. They were two 0 up though, and they let, let it slip. And I read an interesting article a week or so ago about their finances at Christiansen and how they're actually in a bit of trouble, despite their overachieving finishes recently, um, recent seasons. 
they've had to put together a strategy and a plan, um, which kind of has limited their ability in the transfer window in the last sort of couple of transfer windows. And I didn't realize they had issues there, you know, Christiansen, but we kind of forget that they're quite a small club, you know, three, 4,000 capacity stadium, you know, they're not going to have a bottom and bottomless pit of gold, are they? And, um, I still, they're certainly better than a two-point team, no doubt about it. But the manager, Christian Mickelson's actually come under a bit of fire recently for the, probably the first time in his in his reign there. He switched to a three-five-two formation. They cannot stop conceding goals. They're averaging, uh, I think, two point three goals per game conceding, and and that is just the way to relegation, isn't it? And I, they've got to get a lot of games in hand, um, two two or three games in hand on some other teams. So all is not completely lost yet. But um, I think they've got to kind of prepare for relegation, really. They still haven't won a game of football this season in the Elite Serian, Jonathan. And um, although they have shown some some better recent signs, they've got a huge match on Wednesday against Sanderfjord. They really need the three points in that one. I think they've, they're starting to show some signs of goals in them now. And this switch to 3-5-2 maybe has been a smart move. But um, yeah, I mean, if you'd said to me they'd be winless after 13 games... The other said, no way, uh, not after recent years. I mean, they're, they're toast, aren't they? Let's face it. I mean, yeah. they're 11 points off even relegation playoff. They're 14 points off um, getting out of it. I mean, Halgerson, obviously, they've got three games in hand on them, but I mean, they're toast, aren't they? If they, if they get out of this, this is the greatest escape since Clint, Clint Eastwood got out of Alcatraz. <laughs> uh, escape from Alcatraz. Um, spoilers, spoilers, mate. I've not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this would be incredible if they were to get out. Of it. I'm not actually completely ruling them out there, Jonathan, because um, I tell you what, there's. I, th- I think Yerva will go down automatically, and all it takes is one other side to just have a shocking run, and you never, you just never know. But yeah, yeah, they realistically are they are brown bread, aren't they? Um, but uh, yeah, it's a down. shame. It's a shame for them because they've had such a great number of years overachieving to go to this. It's just it almost feels wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, the year that you finally are quite nice to them and, and the year I that know. I sort of start thinking I might support them, they go and get relegated. So <laughs> maybe we should stick to the blueprint on this podcast, you being really mean and, and me sitting on the fence. I've been really nice to them all year. I mean, even now I'm kind of defending them, aren't I? It's incredible, mate. It's they incredible. They're not used to this sort of... Uh, Steve Wiss being nice to them. I so, know. Oh, you know, um, and me deciding to sort of be a bit partial to them, you know, mate? I'm going to stick to my... I'll never support a team again after this, I don't think. They need to stick with the manager, in my opinion. He's done a lot of good work here. And I really hope he's given this season, you know, even if you go down, so what? Build again, get rid of rid of him there if you want, maybe move on. But he's a good, really good manager, in my opinion. Yeah, and goals from Hotmark, B, Jorgensen and Rude in that game. Two all draw uh, with Odd. Not really helping them too much, to be honest. And uh, Odd, for their part, uh, sat right in the middle of the table, pretty much in ninth place. Steve, let's move on. Mm. Wallerenga's revival and Tromso some concerns. Let's keep it quite brief, but what's going on here? I, I didn't see this coming from Wallerenga. I mean, I said, I think in the most recent episode or certainly before they started winning, that Doug Erle Fogermo, if it was me, I would have sacked him. And I think a lot of other people had that same opinion, not because he was a bad manager, but I just thought it was his time was done. You know, you just feel that uh, it's best for both parties to move on. I just didn't see how he could get much else out of this team. But um, they got a win against Christians in 3-0 and they were kind of gifted a couple of goals in that. But they got the win. And I think just getting a win 
massively improved the confidence, the whole mood and morale in, in, the, in the whole club. And then they beat Sarpsborg away 1-0 and they beat Viking 4-2. It was a fantastic tactical performance against Sarpsborg. He really showed his managerial class and uh, astute tactician in that game. He shut down one of the best offences in the league. It was a really good performance and uh, I was dead impressed with their organisation discipline. And then against Viking, 4-2 the weekend, that was as good as I've seen Volarenga play in a long time. They were brilliant. Sauri had a... He's come under quite a lot of criticism this year for his lack of finishing. Um, got them an equaliser um, and he was brilliant all day. They could have posted six or seven up on Viking. And I know Viking had had a tough trip to, to Prague, but... Um, I was dead impressed with Volarenga in this game. And, you know, for Germa at the moment, fair play. For him to have kind of sucked up this criticism, I was not sure he could get much of a tune out of this team anymore, I'll be honest. Uh, but he's really done uh, work wonders in the last few weeks. Still a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. They're still well below expectations. And uh, you can't say, you know, they're back or anything. But at the moment, for now, he silences critics. And, you know, at the moment, I will tip my hat to him. Yeah, fair play, because you've been saying for several weeks now that, you know, he might get sacked. It might even be a good thing if he does get sacked. So, um, you know, it's always good to see managers sort of finding their way out of a paper, brown paper bag, really, isn't it? And I don't mean whiskey. Um, <laughs> but Tromso, you're a little bit worried mm. about. I mean, if you look at their sort of recent run of form, they're now relegation uh, playoffs, 14th place. They've had a few games postponed, haven't they, according to, according to what I'm looking at now. But um, haven't actually won since May. Yeah, you know what? Pre-season, I think, did I, I predicted them third bottom, I think. And uh, there were several people were like, well, how can you have Tromso that low? And uh, even I was kind of questioning myself, to be honest. But yeah, they, they've had a lot of draws. And it's an example of where draws sometimes can do you no good. You've got to have some wins as well. But um, they've been especially worrying in the last two games. I know they, it was Mulder and Rosenborg away, but they were really, really poor in both matches. And uh, that wasn't the Tromso that I'm kind of used to. And they might be on this sort of second season syndrome a bit and it can be difficult, uh, Jonathan, really. And there's been rumours of August Mickelson there, the star sort of young attacker leaving the club to either Buda Glimt or Mulder or Rosenborg, in fact. Um, but uh, Tromso have, have turned him down, turned that down. And I don't think the player himself wants to go to Buda Glimt. I think, I mean, they lost Espiord there. Well, not directly, but I think that hurt. And to lose Mickelson to one of their top, uh, their big rivals, Buda Glimt, would really hurt. He'd be a great fit at Buda Glimt, by the way. Wouldn't be surprised at all if Glimt tried to really uh, poach him this August. But I don't know. The feeling around Trump's is not great at the moment. They've got games in hand. I think they'll have enough to survive just. But um, just a few. It's almost out of nowhere, really, because they were unbeaten in about seven games, seven consecutive games. Suddenly now they're they're in that playoff position, and um, it just shows you how quickly things can can change. They've got a couple of favourable fixtures coming up, which they need to get results. And they've got Sandefjord and then Christiansen, so that needs to be at least four points from that, Jonathan. Otherwise, I think you really can be concerned. Are they a team that you know you, you expect to maybe dip into the market when it opens? I don't think they've got a lot of resources, to be honest. Mm. Um, they never have done up there, and that that's another concern. It's not the most attractive place to go. In the Arctic Circle, and you know it's quite limited what sort of transfers they can get sometimes. And I think I don't see them being particularly active in the window. They they need a better finisher though, that's for sure. Um, you know, Moses B just not clinical enough, and um, you know has missed several chances. Like I say, it, um, something just don't quite feel right. And my gut, you know, a gut feeling in football, you just sense that uh, you're just not sure which way it could go. 
And you, I'm just getting a bit worried for them, Jonathan. Call it a sixth sense, the meat man's sixth sense. I feel it's going to be a real graft for them for the end of, towards the end of the season now to, to hang in there. Forget meat man soccer, I might have to rename you sixth sense soccer. But uh, yeah, no, it's looking looking tough for them. And I'll, I'll never forget a Tom Dent's interview when he was, um, I think it was Tom Dent, when he was talking about Buda Glim and saying, you know, that part of the world, you've got to get almost three three boats and stuff like that. You've got to get a boat, a train and a plane to get to any sort oh. of game. Mm. Um, it's crazy, isn't it, really? Sometimes you, you don't, you kind of don't, forget, you don't think about the geography involved in, and how that affects player recruitment potentially. Um, but let's move on. Uh, a few more talking points before we wrap this one up. And Steve, I've been doing this podcast with you, I think now for five years nearly. And never in my life have I heard you say to me, Jonathan, I want to talk about the Obos League game. <laughs> in fact, I think you've resisted it so many times. I've said to you, what's going on in the second tier? And you're like, no, nope, don't want to know about it. <laughs> but it's here on our itinerary. Obos League in a roundup, Steve. I mean, what's happened now? First you go vegan, now Obos. It's like a new man. I tell you, I, I've been following the Obos this year, and it's it's a mad league. The goals in this league, <laughs> let's just say I've been betting on it, and I've been doing rather well in it. And um, you know, there's some good teams and some good players in it this year. And um, Bran, I have, we've got to give them a shout out. I think there was a question about them as well. And um, they've won 13 out of 16 games; they're unbeaten. And I think they could genuinely join. They could they could have an invincible campaign. They're that good. In the, at this level, they're eleven points clear. Before you before you go on, because I mean, it sounds like you're gearing up for your big answer. Um, let's ask that question, right? Because uh, it's a great question, I think, from at P2P Alex. He's asked the question before, so it's really good to see you back, Alex. Hope you're enjoying the show. He says, and obviously, you know, you've already sort of touched on it, but he says, Brand looks set for a swift return to the top league. Are they that good, or is the second division that bad? <laughs> um, so you can obviously incorporate what you're saying about Brand there and their incredible run. Um, into your answer, I actually think they're very, very, very good this year. I think if they're that te- that same squad now as an elite Aryan, they'd probably be comfortably mid table, you know, um, because they're, they're in a much more settled place and uh, they've got players like I mean, Bod Finner. I don't think he even regularly starts for them. He's the top scorer um, or one of the top scorers in the, in the league. Um, but um, yeah, they've got quality all over the park. You know, Nicholas Castro. Uh, Rasmussen's, I think, has a great year. They've got a couple of defenders who would easily start in the Elite Serian, Knudsen, for example. Um, they're very good. Uh, there are some bad teams in Obos, certainly the bottom part of it, but I actually think the top six or seven are not bad, to be honest. And, and like Starbeck are pretty strong. Ranheim are decent. Songnal, who are managed by uh, ex-Chelsea man, Andre Flo, are, are worth watching. There's a lot of some, some very good attack-minded sides in this Obos league. The ones at the bottom, I've got to be honest, the semi-pro sides are a bit crap, like Grorud and Skeed and, and Skirtlesblink. I'm going to talk about Skirtlesblink in a minute but and Bryn. But yeah, I, I think it's a bit of both, really, to answer that question. But uh, heck of a side. But there's some good, I say, there's some good teams, some good players in, in Obos in the top five or six. I love how attack-minded all the teams are. There's so many. If you want goals, this is the place for you. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely mental how many are scored. Um, Really, it's like no one really wants to defend, but um, yeah, Brand at the minute looks set to uh, absolutely waltz this league. I'd be really be interested to see if they can actually go unbeaten for the whole campaign. I mean, what what happens, Steve? It's, it's almost like some magical formula happens when teams get relegated. They, you know, they we had Lillestrøm, didn't we? And we had other teams. It seems like when you go down, 
some sort of magic potion happens where you sort your whole club out and the next year you come up and you, you're fighting for the title. I mean, you mentioned Castro there, a few other changes. You've said you've been watching the league. What, what exactly is going on with Brand? Did they have a change of management? I know last year the sex party and everything was a lot of, you know, a lot of laughter about Brand, wasn't there? I mean, what, what, why is it the team sort of seem to go down and then think to themselves, right, let's sort all our problems out. Why, why don't they do that during a season? Like what, what's kind of going on there? And is there a wider trend of that? Is it like, I'm a bit confused as, about mm. that because it seems, it seems like a recurring theme, doesn't it? Well, when you go down from Elitisarian to Obos, half of the Obos League is semi-pro. So already you've got a massive advantage. I think nearly every side that's gone down from Ob- from Elitisarian is a full has been a fully professional side, apart from Mjern Darlin. Um so already you've got a huge advantage there. And sometimes going down does you some good. I mean, Eric Hall this stuck with Eric Hornerland, who's a very experienced manager. And, um, you know, but he was Rosenborg manager just a couple of two or three years ago, this same stage. Um, I think if they'd had him the whole of last season, they would have stayed up. Somehow they lost that playoff game to Yerv, despite absolutely battering them. But I think going down, sometimes a reset can do you the, uh, quite good. When you start winning games of football, it does you good. Your confidence is up. And look, Branner, a big club in Norway. They know they were the big favourites. But some, and sometimes that can be a huge target on on your back. Sides like Lillestrom didn't absolutely waltz this league. They just kind of did enough to to go up. But uh, yeah, when when you know Arlesson were famous for this, weren't they? They'd be in the yo-yo when they were in this league. They just smashed it. And I think Bran are, are going to do exactly the same. But I think it's quite an easy league to come down to. You can reset quite easily. There's, it's not like sometimes going down like to the Premier League. And I know some clubs instantly bounce back, like with parachute payments. But for some, like Stoke or someone, it can be a real drop down. Um, and a bit brutal, really. Like the Panthers are attacking you, but in Obos, it's it's more, it's quite tame, really. A bit more. It doesn't work for everyone, but it, for Bran, sides like that, yeah, it, it looks like they're going to make a very swift return. You've mentioned you're really enjoying the Obos, and it's a good answer there. And you know, interesting topic. Obviously, you mentioned they're semi-pro. Makes you wonder how some of those teams are competitive if, if there's such a sort of gap. Um, but it brings us on to the to one of the other things you wanted to talk about in Obos, and that's mm. Stores Blink. Uh, seems like some problems there. Do you know what? This makes me almost worry about quite sort of lower league finances in clubs because what's happened at Sturdle's Blink is they've they've run into some financial issues and they basically, there was a meeting and they asked the squad and management to basically take on a, a minimum salary wage for the rest of the season. I'm not quite sure how much that is in Norwegian terms, but to basically the club was under threat of survival. You know, and obviously some of the some players couldn't agree to that. It's, a, it's only semi-pro there, but you've got to make a living. And six or seven players have left the club in the last two or three weeks because you know, they didn't agree to these terms. And, and the club simply had to let them go because they couldn't afford to pay them anymore. And it's a, a reminder of kind of existence in football is, is the most important thing first and foremost, isn't it? And um, they'll almost certainly will be going down. Bear in mind, they, they survived by the skin of their teeth last year in the playoff match. Tom Dent was the manager there. Maybe he saw this coming. Who knows? Um, and, and that's why he jumped ship to Ham Cam. Well, one of the reasons, maybe. Who knows? But um, I, I wish them well. I really do wish them well. I think that it's going to be really brutal second half of the season for them. I don't know if they can bring in any loans, maybe for completely for free, that might help them. But financially, it just kind of made reminder that, you know, in the in the lower leagues here, it can be really, really challenging. Even, uh, yeah, I'm sure they've been well run, 
but you can still get into into a lot of trouble if you're not careful. I mean, maybe maybe you're not best place to answer this, but can a team like Blink afford to kind of bring in? You just mentioned there maybe lo- some loans and things like that. I guess it would have to be low budget players. Mm. I imagine. Well, they've obviously lost a massive core of their squad. I think they've lost the top scorer. Three or four starting defenders have moved on as well. The only way they could get a reinforcements is loans for nothing, like youngsters from you know some elite Assyrian teams who are willing to pay the wages, things like that, and all, and all that lot. So I don't know whether they can bring anyone in in August for that. Maybe they can. But um, the thing is, there's three teams at the bottom are awful. Sturdles, Blink, Grower and, Sh- and Sheed. They're on six, six and seven points, respectively. The team that finished 14th will be in a relegation playoff match. And uh, one of those three will potentially have a chance to survive. So on the field, they've still got a chance, you know. they could. This could be the lowest points ever needed to get in that playoff position. So you just never know, do you? But uh, yeah, worrying times for, for Sturdles, uh, Blink, sadly. Well, from one guest we come and have coming up, uh, David Cellini of Valmoto, one guest we've had in the past. Tom Dent, who's now a ham cam assistant manager. We'll wrap it up there. Go into our archives if you fancy it. Um, have a little look back um, because obviously we've had a lot of special guests. I think I think we've had about thirty guests overall. Now I was doing a bit of maths the other day, um, and we hope to have a few more before the season's out. But uh, yeah, stay tuned for David Cellini later this week, and also follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. Um, stay tuned for a weekend preview show. We'll have some bonus episodes for you and bonus content. Um, and, you know, you can follow us on patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. So, you know, I, I think we're pretty much done for this week. Uh, great yeah. to talk to you, Steve, and catch up. It's, I've missed you, to be honest. I've missed you. It's been good. <laughs> it's been a good show. Um, let's say thanks for your, all your support out there. Uh, feel free to get in touch anytime, anyone. Follow us on the socials at Nordic Football, at Meatman Soccer, at JF Football, Henry as well at Football in DK. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it being with you, Jonathan. It's good to have you back and uh, roll on uh, what I'm sure will be a very interesting summer in in, in Scandinavia. Yes, it's heating up now. I'm really excited. And if you haven't been able to catch games yet, then I, I definitely recommend it because it's uh, it's good. Two little final points. Uh, Good luck, England against Sweden. Big game that. I mean, I might stay on the fence, but huge game in the Women's Euro semi-final uh, coming out this week. So, you know, if you if anyone's been watching that, England and Sweden will meet in the semi-final. Um, I've been enjoying the quality, actually. I've been watching some of the games. Decent decent quality. And also, Steve, just wanted to finally, before we leave, get your prediction. Um, we have to do it. It's a inter-Norway-Sweden game. Uh, Elsborg Molder, what are you thinking? 2-1 or 3-1. 2-1 or 3-1 to Mulder, I think they'll uh, comfortably win. Really? So you're thinking eight? So you're saying eight two on aggregate, basically? Four, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think they'll hit them on the counter-attack, to be honest. Wow. Um, they, they won't just go there to defend. Yeah, I'm going to say two all. But, that, um, yeah, I could see that as well, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think... Um, Good luck to Glimt and Mold. Uh, good luck to Glimt and, and Malmo because that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Well, if we get that Two tie, champions. it's big. Yeah. Two champions head to head. I mean, that would be cream of the crop for the Nordic Football Podcast, but a uh, bit of work to do for both at the moment. Um, but yeah, that'll be all for this week. Thanks so much. You can find Steve on Twitter, as you've mentioned, and myself if you want to leave any comments. You can comment on YouTube as well. Our YouTube channel continues to grow. Um, and you can listen to your podcast there as well if you prefer that to. Um, to audio and, and to the sort of, you know, the Spotify and the iTunes traditional pods. So we'll be back. But for now, uh, that's all for us. And stay tuned, like I say, later this week 
David Cellini. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you, David. So goodbye, everyone, from me. Thanks, Steve. Good to see you again. Take care. Yeah, take care, everyone. Goodbye. See you next time.